You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. All right, welcome. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Judges, chapter 14. We'll also be in 15. The name of this series is Wild Soul. We are in the second week and we're looking at perhaps the wildest soul in all of Scripture. As a matter of fact, Samson's life could be taken right out of modern-day tabloids. He wants what he wants, when he wants it, the way that he wants it. His appetites and his desires are not going to be stopped. His uh, passions control him. His appetites drive him. He lives by his emotions, and he reacts swiftly. When he has been offended. As a matter of fact, we hear this philosophy even today in 2019. All over the news, all over social media, we get this idea that you are to live your own truth. Matter of fact, we hear that. I'm living my truth. Live your truth. You're encouraged to live your truth. You be what? You. You be you. You can be anything you want to be, do anything you want to do. It's your life. Do what you want. It's only limited by what you can dream and what you feel. If you're a girl and you feel like a boy, be a boy. If you have same-sex attraction, you be you. You be you. You need to live your best life now. So just live your truth. You be you. Now, if you are an unbeliever, if you are not a Jesus follower and Jesus Christ is not the authority of your life, I get it. There is nothing else in a non-believer other than a wild soul. And you have no no other foundation or baseline by which to live except your feelings, emotions, appetites, passions. However, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then these philosophies are dangerous. As a matter of fact, they are a problem. They are a significant and dangerous problem. Now, we need to be reminded that the Israelites are experiencing God's judgment in Judges 14, 15, and many times throughout the book of Judges. But in this particular case, they're experiencing God's judgment, not because the Philistines are evil, not because the Philistines are disobedient. They're living out God's judgment and punishment because as God's chosen people who are in covenant relationship with him, they're to bring glory to the name of Yahweh and enjoy him forever. But Israel is disobeying and breaking that covenant and they are misrepresenting God. They are not being light to the Philistines or as the Bible says in other places, to the Gentiles or to the world. They're actually becoming like them. And as we read in Judges 14, we see this world of double Jeopardy. We see this world of two sides, this wild soul and this God soul. So let's begin to read in chapter 14, beginning in verse 8. We looked last week that Samson saw a woman and wanted her immediately. 
He's on his way to her when he sees a lion and he kills the lion. In time, we pick up in verse 8 of chapter 14. After some days, Samson returned to take her and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion that he had killed. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and there was honey. He scraped it out into his hands and obviously touched the dead carcass, and he went on, eating as he went, and he came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. His father went down to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. As soon as the people saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. And Samson said to them, let me now put a riddle to you. If you can tell me what it is within the seven days of the feast, and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell me what it is, then you shall give me 30 linen of garments and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, put your riddle that we may hear it. And he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days they could not solve the riddle. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Well, that's a strong, uh, I really want to know kind of moment, isn't it? Have you invited us here to impoverish us? And Samson's wife wept over him and said, you, you only hate me. You do not love me. You've put a riddle in my people and you have not told me what it is. And he said to her, I've not told my mom and dad. Shall I tell you? But she wept before him seven days. Now, a brother can't just keep it together when your wife is crying for seven days. He is going to give in, and he did. She pressed him hard. He told her the riddle, and then she told the riddle of the people, and the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? And he knew she told. And he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, let me just stop right here. Now, our marriage uh, conference was a couple weeks ago. Men, this is never a line you should say. All right, let's just make that one clear. We'll move on. I'm sure thousands of years ago there was some context by which, uh, probably not. He's just mad. He's just mad. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and went to Escalon and struck down 30 men of, of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. In hot anger, he went back to his father's house and Samson's wife was given to his companion, basically gave his wife to the best man when Samson left. This dude was not in a good place. We go on to chapter 15, and I'll just try to sum it up and go quickly. So Samson comes back to his wife. He has not consummated yet. He's getting ready to be with her, only to find out when he gets here that she married the best man. That's not a good day. 
And so he really boils with anger, and he takes 300 foxes, some people believe they're jackals over in this part of the country, and he ties them together in pairs and put a torch, and he sends them out into the grain fields and their crops and the olive trees and, and burns all the crops of these people. And now they're really torqued. At him, So now they're coming to kill him in the middle of the chapter. He hides among the people of Judah only to find out that 3,000 men of Judah are trying to find him to give him to the Philistines. You're causing way too much trouble. And so Samson says, okay, tie me up and give them to them. And when he gives them to the Philistines, obviously Samson breaks the ropes. He picks up the jawbone of a donkey and he kills a thousand more Philistines. This was a bad dude. At the end of this, he's tired. He's wore out. Obviously, if you killed a thousand Philistines with a donkey bone, you'd be tired. And he says at the end of the chapter, he was very thirsty and he called upon the Lord. You've granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant, me, and I'm dying of thirst. You're going to let me die of thirst and be handed to the uncircumcised Philistines? This dude was super dramatic. He couldn't control much of anything. So as we look at some things about the wild soul in Samson's life, let's look at the first thing I want to talk about today. Samson compromised his commitment. He compromised his commitment. Samson was chosen by God in the womb. And he was called to live a vow. And a Nazarite vow included, as we talked about last week, three things. Don't touch dead bodies. Don't drink alcohol or eat from the vine. And don't cut your hair. And in these verses, in three of these verses here together, we see that Samson broke the first two. When he reached in to get honey out of the lion's body, he obviously touched a dead carcass. But not only that, when he took some honey and he gave it to his mom and dad, the Israelites were not allowed to touch dead things or they would become unclean spiritually and ceremonially. So the point is, when you are walking out in a bad place, you are hurting other people as well. You may think, this is just me, I'm doing my own thing, I'm doing what I want to do. It's just not true. There are a lot of people who are affected and influenced by our wild soul experiences. And then it says in verse 10 that he went to a feast, or he made a feast, or he prepared a feast, and 30 young men came, as was their custom. Well, this word feast in the Hebrew is literally a drinking binge. A party that went on for seven days at his soon-to-be father-in-law's house. This was not a Jewish-Israelite custom. Perhaps it was a Philistine tradition that he was walking into, but he's touched a dead body, and he's drinking alcohol within three verses together. He's broken the first two vows, and we know in chapter 16 next week with Delilah, he will break the third. The wild soul in us desires to compromise our commitment. I just want to taste. I just want one bite. I just want one pill. I just want one drink. I just want to flirt. I just want one. 
When I was young, and I remember even when I was a student pastor working with young students, I remember a question that I asked when I was young, and I remember a question that students were asking all the time. Whether they ask it verbally or not, their actions were asking this question. How close can I get to the line, the sin line? How close can I get to the sin line without crossing over and actually sinning and being in sin? Seems like a good question. I don't want to go over it, but how close can I get? And what we don't understand, by dancing on that line, we are literally dancing with the devil. And when we're here, we think, okay, I'm good. It's a good day. I'm not crossed over. I'm on this side of the line. I'm living in holiness and purity. But on that day, on that day when we're weak, on that day when we feel rejected, on that day when we feel unloved and, and we feel like everything's falling apart and, and I feel lonely and I don't know what to do, that, I take two steps over and now I'm spiraling in bondage. I'm spiraling in shackles and sin and now the enemy comes and there's condemnation and guilt and shame and he's beating us up, defeating us and overwhelming us. We should not be asking how close can I get to the line without crossing over. There's a better question, a more godly question. And that question is, what is the wise thing to do? What is wise? I don't want to dance on this line and have a day when my wild soul raises up inside of me and wants to growl and roar and I step across. What's the wise thing to do? How do I step away from the line? I want to walk this way. I want to get in the word of God. I want to hang around other people. Samson, don't date Philistines. Samson, don't date or marry Philistines. Don't disobey your parents when they tell you something. Listen to the wisdom of people. Read the scripture. Walk in obedience. Deny yourself. Hang around people who are godly. And then that day when I'm weak and I'm, I, I, I'm I, the wild soul is beginning to raise up and my appetites are craving something and I'm desiring something and, and I'm lonely and I feel rejected and I feel like God's not there and I take two steps back. I'm still living in the land of holiness and purity and righteousness. I'm just having a tough day. But I haven't been had by the enemy. What's the wise thing to do? You see, don't compromise your commitment to Jesus. Don't dance on the line with the devil. The price you pay will be too high. The, the hurt that you place on yourself and the hurt that you place on other people will be too much. You say, well, how do you know what the wise thing to do is? It's a great question. Obviously, we can read God's word and we find things, but there are always something in our world that isn't specifically mentioned. Like the Bible doesn't say date them. It may say date a Christian. So, hey, I'm dating them. They're a Christian, but they are far. They're not a lover of Jesus just because they attend church. 
there's some things that we need daily. So what do we do to find this wisdom? Well, this is going to be deep. Get ready to write it down. Ask wise people. <laughs> this seems so tough, doesn't it? Pretty obvious. How do I gain the wisdom that I need? Ask wise people. Sometimes we don't ask wise people. And there's a reason why we don't ask wise people. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to listen to them. Ask wise people. If you've, if you've ever had kids and you have older kids, and I remember kids saying to me or people saying to me, I, I had to do a lot of counseling or somebody will say something like, well, why didn't you ask me? Why didn't you ask them? Why didn't you ask so-and-so? Why didn't you ask? And here's the way they, because I knew what you would say. I knew what you would say. Well, if you knew what I would say, why did you do it? And here's what I wish every person, including teenagers and young people and adults who don't want to listen to the wise counsel, I wish we would say this statement. Why didn't you ask me? Here it is. Because I knew what you would say, and my wild soul doesn't want to hear it. Perfect. At least now we're all being honest. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. As a matter of fact, I don't want to ask wise people why. Because my wild soul has already made the decision. I don't want your advice. I don't want your wisdom. And we slide down the compromise of pain and disobedience. We ask somebody. Well, I have asked people. I ask my friends, and I ask the guy I was sitting by at the bar, and I asked, really? And he said it was a good idea. Yeah, he really thought that that would be, oh my gosh. How we rationalize when our wild soul wants a taste. How we compromise when our wild soul just wants a drink, just a bite. Just a little bit. Compromise leads to spiritual, emotional, and sometimes physical, as we'll see in chapter 16, physical destruction for the follower of Christ. Number two, Samson was ruled by his flesh. That's no surprise. He was ruled by his appetites, his desires, his feelings, his emotions. He was ruled by his flesh. Let's just walk through these two chapters and see the moments where his wild soul of, of, of flesh just jumps off the pages. We see in chapter 14, verse 2, I see the woman, I want the woman, I get the woman. Now get her for me as a wife, mom and dad. Well, that wasn't really asking, was it? Hey, I saw this pretty woman. She's a Philistine. How do you feel, mom and dad? Is that a good idea? That wasn't a question. Then look at verse 7. At the last thing, he saw the woman. He talked to the woman. She was right in Samson's eyes. Well, I guess that's all that really matters. Look at chapter 14, verse 19. 
After they figured out the riddle and he had to pay, he kills 30 people. And in hot anger, he went back to his father's house. Wow, that, that's a common phrase today, right? She's hot, he's hot, they're in hot anger. You're a hot mess. You're in hot anger, Samson. Yeah, you are. Then in verse 7 of chapter 15, after all this happens, he says, you mess, if you do this with me, if, you, if this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you. And then it says, he struck them hip and thigh with a great blow. Now, striking someone hip and thigh in the Hebrew phrase here is he, he beat the bagoogie out of them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he just, he put a whooping on them. Thighs were wrapped around hips. That's literally, this was not good for them. And then he says in 15 verse 18, after he was thirsty and had this great victory. Hi, I won. I had a victory. Oh God, you've granted great salvation to me, but I'm so thirsty I'm going to die. Folks, this guy was an emotional mess. He was so dramatic. Everything was an extreme. I'm not just thirsty. I'm so thirsty I'm going to die. And, and do you know anybody like this? Or is anybody like this? I mean, this is the worst day of my life. How's it going today? It just could not be going any worse. I'm single and I think I'm going to die of being lonely. I'm married and I think I'm going to die of being married. How are your kids? Oh, they're horrible. Oh, my gosh. How's work? Don't even ask. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, everything is, uh, and it just, it's like, uh, they, they, oh, it's awful. Nobody wants to be around them. You're exhausting us. We can't ride this journey with you. It's too much. We can't ride the windshield wiper life that you have from one extreme to the other. We're tired. So then you can say, I just don't have any friends. No, you don't. People don't like you. They don't like you. They can't take it. Samson, it's too much. Just because you're thirsty doesn't mean you're about to die. We're all thirsty. Oh my gosh, lived by his flesh and his desires, emotions, appetites. In our day to day, there seems to be this cultural philosophy where living by your emotions and what you feel and your appetites, it's considered a noble thing. Matter of fact, if you want to do that and you believe that, you be you, you come out of that, you say that, you be bold. And I want you to know, in the midst of that, you may get put on the cover of a magazine or on a show. Why? Because you being you. Thank you for being you, for living your truth. You want what you want. You want who you want. You want to do what you want, and you love it. You be you. But the problem is this you be you philosophy, living your own truth, is creeping into the church and even creeping among Christian pastoral speakers. 
You be you. It's okay. We're all beginning. They're beginning to compromise God's word and God's truth. And the wild soul loves this philosophy of you be you. You do you. You live your truth. It loves it. I can have Jesus and I can have me being me. Except there's one problem. Jesus never says you be you. Matter of fact, turn to Mark chapter 8, verse 34, and we're going to see what Jesus says about you being you and you living your truth and you doing what you want to do. Mark chapter 8, a crowd has followed Jesus and they all want to follow him because he's given goodies. Healing and free food, free fish, free chips. This is a good gig. And Jesus calls out to the crowd, to him with his disciples, and he said to them, You be you? No. If anyone would come after me, let him what? Deny him or herself. And take up your cross and follow me. For whoever would save his or her life will lose it, but whoever loses his or her life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? For what can a man or woman give in return for his, her, his or her soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You know people are compromising all over the place when this adulterous and sinful generation asks us questions about what we think about what God says. And we're compromising. We're allowing this philosophy of you be you to take over. And Jesus is saying, there's no such thing as you be you. You be you is not a good thing. You don't live your truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, again, if you're a non-believer, if you do not follow Jesus Christ, and he is not the authority of your life, this doesn't mean anything to you. I get it. You are being you. But if you're a follower of Christ, something's going on here very deeply inside our hearts and our souls. Jesus is saying that we have, as followers of Christ, we now have two selves, we have a self that is denying, deny yourself. So we have a self that is denying and a self that is being denied. Are you tracking? If you are, say I am. <laughs> All right, let's see. So there's this self that says, I deny you. And there's a you, me, that is being denied, two selves. Two selves, a self that is denying and a self that is being denied. So to be a follower of Jesus is to be a denier of that self. John Piper calls this sacred schizophrenia. <laughs> Two realities that are at war with each other and they're not the same. 
And the only people that can be in sacred schizophrenia are followers of Jesus Christ. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have schizophrenia yet. Your life may be falling apart and you may you maybe feel like you're crazy, but it's not from sacred schizophrenia. But a follower of Christ has a self, a redeemed self, a self the Bible says you are a new creation in Christ. This new creation in Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit. It has been converted. It has been born again. It loves Jesus. It loves obedience. It loves Bible study. It loves prayer. It loves authentic fellowship with other believers. It loves sharing the gospel. It loves everything that is holy and righteous and just. It loves to obey wise people. It loves to get advice from wise people. It loves to obey the parents. Oh, I love that guy. But then there's this self that that guy is denying. He hates being denied anything. She hates the cross. He hates obedience. He hates reading, denying the cross, being uncool, being embarrassed, being called names, being made fun of in this world. This, this self, I want comfort. I want pleasure. I don't want to suffer. I want comfort. I want pleasure. I want for me to be me. I just want one bite. I just want one taste. I just want one drink. I just want one pill. I just want one relationship. I just want to do it a little bit. I love, I all oh, the wild soul. I hate that guy. I hate him. And every once in a while, he will raise back up and want to take control of my life. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So what do you do? What do you do when your righteous soul and your wild soul are in a cage match? Some of you feel right now like you're losing more than you're winning. And your sacred schizophrenia is about to destroy you. So what do you do? What do you do in the flesh, in the wild soul that has taken the flesh, and the new creation in Christ, the righteous? What do you do when they're in a cage match? Piper says that when that wild soul raises its head and says, I don't want to deny my appetites. I don't want to deny myself what I want. I don't want to cross. I don't want to obey. I don't want to obey my parents. I don't want to be humiliated for Christ's sake or the gospel's sake. I don't want to be unpopular. I don't want to die to myself. I want pleasure. I want comfort. I want safety. I want security. I want my best life now. You raise up inside of you, and you have to say to that wild soul as loud as you can, no! You do not live here any longer. You are not in charge here anymore. 
You are not who I am. Your days are numbered. You can keep your mouth shut. You do not have a say in this life. You are not the authority in my life any longer. And that is what you must do. And if you do, you will have a holy schizophrenia. For it only lasts in this life because when we die, he dies forever. And one of the temptations of Jesus after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, the devil comes, sent by the Holy Spirit to begin to tempt Jesus just as Adam was tempted by Satan. And after you haven't eaten for 40 days, you can see where the enemy is now tempting him in his appetites. I can see you're hungry. I've got, I can feed you, Jesus. You're not going to feed me. And then he takes him up onto the highest mountain in that location. Picture Jesus and Satan walking up this, this huge hill, this huge mountain. And they look over all of the earth in their mind. Satan says, look, Jesus, all of the earth, all the kingdoms of the world, all the pleasures, all the comfort, all the authority, I'll give it all to you. Satan says, I've been given the authority, and Jesus, I'll give it all to you. It's beautiful. It's amazing. You can have it all. Now, you can have your best life, Jesus. Now, just have to do two things. Worship me and bypass the cross. Isn't that the temptation for all of us? Satan says, worship me. Bypass suffering. Bypass the cross. Have your best life now. And Jesus said what we all know to say now. No. No. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Only. Are you sure? You can have it all, the pleasures, the comfort, the kingdoms, the world, the authority. You wouldn't have to die at 33 years old. No. No. I will choose the Father. He is the authority of my life. You have no authority here. No, no. You see, this idea of living according to the flesh and allowing our wild soul to rule in our lives 
Ultimately, we're worshiping the devil. That's what, that's what the temptation's about. You can have it all now, your best life now. Just worship me. Bypass the suffering, bypass the cross, bypass all that bubbly, mubbly junk about denying yourself. Don't deny yourself anything. You can have it all now, your best life now. Let me give you a secret about this best life now stuff. The only people who have their best life now are lost people who are going to spend an eternity in hell. And if that is your destination, then yes, this is your best life now. You following me? But if you're not lost, if you're a follower of Christ, this is not your best life now. Our best life is going to be someday when that old wild soul is completely dead and we live in paradise with the very one who redeemed us, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We're washed in his blood and we spend an eternity in paradise with the Father warming us with his arms and the light of the Son of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins. He's washing us in his light and we have unblocked joy forever. For a believer, that's your best life. Can I get an amen? Look around, folks. This world's broken. Death is everywhere. The curse is everywhere. Paul says in Romans 8, I consider that our present sufferings are, in, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us someday in Christ. This is not my best life. The wild soul is a fool. He thinks that 50, 60, 70, 80 years of human approval and pleasures of this world are better than 80 billion, gazillion, quintillion years of undiminished, unparalleled joy in the presence of God. He's a fool. He's a liar. Are you going to listen to that voice? Are you going to listen to your wild soul? Are you going to let this old self, this wild soul, be you? You be you? Or are you going to deny yourself and take up your cross and have true life in Christ? What an idiot that wild soul is. And Jesus is pleading in Mark 4. He's pleading. He's pleading with me. And he's pleading with you. And he's pleading with those who are listening in this moment. And he's been pleading throughout all of the New Testament and the New Testament era. He's pleading. He's pleading with you right now, face to face, speaking into your heart. He's pleading with you. Don't die with him. Live with me. Don't throw away a few short years of pleasure and comfort and hating denying self and hating the Don't throw it away for a few years. There is something much better. Your best life someday. There is a satanic Bible, and I hate to mention it because I don't want anybody to look it up. But there was a satanic Bible written by a man named Anton LaVey, who was the founder of the Church of Satan and the writer of the Book of Satan. He's dead now, and he is spending an eternity in hell. But in the satanic Bible, there is this 
line that sort of sums up the whole Bible. Just like in our Holy Bible, there is a verse that sums up all of our Bible. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment of all time? Jesus said, here it is. I can sum up all the law, all the prophets. I can sum up the whole Bible in this right here. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, strength, and love others as you love yourself. There's the Bible. Love God. Love others with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But as a counterfeit, as the enemy always is, he has his one line out of the satanic Bible that sums up everything in there. You say, well, what is it? Uh, bite the head off bats and eat them, or rape, murder, and pillage. What's the, what's the one line? Here it is. Sums up the whole satanic Bible. Three words. Do your will. That's it. Do your own will. You say, well, that doesn't sound very evil. Oh, it's the most evil. You do you. You be you. You live your truth. You do thy will. And all that other stuff, oh, it'll follow. All that evil stuff will follow if we just do our will. Contrasting that is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. On the night before he's about to be arrested, he's praying, Oh, Father, I see the cross. I see the pain. I see the suffering. Oh, Father, is there any other way? Is there any other way? And the Father says, There is not. And Jesus says, Right? Jesus says it. Say it with me. Then, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Well, that's the exact opposite. That's the exact opposite of doing my will. That's the exact opposite of you be you, do you, you do you, you live your truth. No, Father, even if it takes suffering, even if it takes humiliation, even if it takes embarrassment in this age, even if it takes a cross, I'm going to do you, not me. I'm going to do your will, not my will. Because you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth everything. You're my treasure. You're my eternity. Oh, that part of me that loves. Oh, I love that. And I love that part of me that loves that. And no, no, no. So, so he says, no, 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 not my will. No, not my will, but your will. And he teaches us how to live this denying self-life. Not my will, but his will. How do you tame the wild soul 
doesn't want to deny anything, doesn't want to suffer anything, doesn't want, how do you tame? No. No. Not my will, but your will. Would you pray with me? Now some of you are struggling right now. And I believe there are at least two groups of people. Some of you are in that category. You don't have sacred schizophrenia. You're just living out the wild soul because that's the only baseline and frame of reference and foundation that you have. And if you sense the Spirit is drawing in your heart today and that you don't want to die in that, you don't want to die with that wild soul only and you want to become a follower of Christ and make him the authority of your life and pray and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and download his spirit into your soul and make you a new creation in Christ if you want that I I just want is there anybody here that just raised their hand quickly put it up quick I just want to pray for you I'm not going to ask anything thank you anybody else thank you At the end of this time, there are going to be people standing around you in navy blue shirts. They're called section leaders. You can go to them. They have a resource for you, and they want to talk with you and pray with you. Go to them. But then there are some of you who know exactly what I'm talking about today. You've been straddling that line of sin, one foot on one side, for so long it's about to rip you apart. It's hurt you, and it's hurt others, or it's about to. If you really know what I'm talking about here, about that wild soul, if you really know that, and you feel like you're losing a lot more than you should, again, I'm not going to ask you to do it. I just want you to raise your hand quickly and put it down. I just want to pray for you. Raise your hand quickly and just put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over them. Thank you. We have a care and prayer room. We'd love to talk to you. You can tell your story, and maybe somebody can pray with you and encourage you. Lord Jesus, this is not our best life now. This is, this is the battle. This is in us. This is the wild soul and the righteous soul. And we want to gain victory and liberty over that wild part. We want to deny that self and take up our cross and walk in the liberty of Jesus Christ. Walk in wisdom as far away from that line as we can so we cannot be had by the enemy. not be tempted to choose the pleasures of this world these few short years we are here and miss all of eternity with the king of kings and lord of lords in paradise oh lord don't let us believe that lie let us choose Jesus and I pray it in his precious name amen Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.